Good evening, church. Good evening. Welcome to Friday Fire. It's good to see every single one of you. My name is Sky Becker, and I'm serving as a community pastor um, at Itaewon campus right now. Woo! <laughs> Itaewon. And uh, I'm also a part of a ministry called Jerusalem Ministry. And what we do, uh, we are an orphanage ministry here in Seoul where we have... Um, uh, we serve the orphans in Seoul through volunteers that we train and also through various camps like soccer camp and arts and crafts camp. And we just had our sixth annual soccer camp this week from Monday through uh, Wednesday. Who's seen pictures of our camp on Facebook? Wow, yeah, I don't, I don't think you can avoid all of the, the you know, notifications. Because I've been, I'm one of the admins on the uh, Jerusalem Ministry page, so I've been getting 99 notifications every single day. Like the big red 99, and it kind of makes me feel good, you know? <laughs> it's like, yes, 99. So, um, well, yeah. So I want to thank those who've been, who's been praying for our uh, soccer camp, because it's been one of the craziest camp yet, but it's been the best yet. Because, because specifically because of the pouring rain. I mean, if you were all in Seoul uh, for the past week, you know how much it was pouring in Seoul. I mean, I, I thought there was a hole in the sky. <laughs> I, just, I just couldn't believe how much it was raining. And because of that, there were, uh, I guess, obstacles or uh, different things that we kind of had to juggle with as the rain was pouring. Because we never had a soccer camp where, we, where it rained that much. So... I want to thank everyone that's been praying for it because there's, there's been so many testimonies that came out of the camp because uh, despite the weather condition, this, despite all the, I guess, chaos we had on the second day because it was raining so much, that, um, yeah, that we, could, we have testimonies that we want to share with you tonight. And I'm going to share some of the testimonies right now before I start my message. Is that okay? Yeah. yeah? Um, I want you to hear, when you hear these testimonies, uh, pay attention to just how God's been loving on these kids with the Father's heart and how He's been providing for them, because that's directly, uh, uh, I guess, uh, connected to my message today. Um, so if you could shoot up the slideshow right now. That's our soccer camp uh, group picture from this year. <laughs> <laughs> we had uh, so a little bit about soccer camp. It's uh, we have we hold a camp uh, for third to sixth grader boys from uh, various homes in Seoul, and uh, we give them a full set of uniforms from you know the, the shirt to pants and the shin guards and the socks and and also you know we um, you know we gather them and play soccer. Duh, right? <laughs> But not, not only that we play soccer, but we play games and we play uh, different scrimmages and we give them an opportunity for them to have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with the volunteer. And uh, a lot of these kids at the homes, they're raised by one or one dorm mom or dorm dad per, per 10 to 12 kids. So these kids rarely get any, uh, I guess, attention from an adult figure unless they're in trouble. So our goal through these camps are to, is to... Just pour our love upon them, pour our attention upon them, and just be able to connect with them and, and speak life over them. And so it's been beautiful to see how these kids who's not really used to getting 
good attention from an adult figure and also seeing an example of what a father figure or a leader, leader figure is supposed to be, we've seen them transform from day one to day three, just in three days. It's so amazing. And I want to show that to you uh, actually physically because one of our volunteers, Tambi, where's Tambi? Yeah, Tambi. Tambi, she, uh, uh, I guess, served with us for last, you know, the, the camp. And she posted this Facebook picture on Facebook. And that's the epitome of our ministry. When you see a transformation that you see on this kid's face. So that's day one. What's his name? Yihyuk? Yinhyuk. That's Yinhyuk. That's day one. You see how he's running away from the camera. These kids, when they come into the camp, they don't really want to talk to you. They don't really want to open up to you because they've been hurt so many times. And especially just the fact that their parents have abandoned them. And, you know, many people come and go in their lives. So they, you know, have a hard time opening up. So day one, you see how much he's refusing to take a picture with the volunteer. And then day two... He's looking a little bit, right? He's, he's recept, uh, receptive a little bit. And then on the day three, you just see how much they receive your love. And this is what Tambi wrote on her Facebook. More than the other boys, I got to spend more time with Inhyuk because I had the privilege to escort him and be on the same team. I just got to be a big sister or even a mom to him throughout the camp. He was very shy at first, but by the second day, he called me by my name. And every time we won a game, he came running with a huge smile. And whenever I cheered for him, he laughed and blushed. It was such a big blessing to be a part of Jerusalem Ministry Soccer Camp. There was extra joy because I was on the winning team. <laughs> Thank you for the Kogi Buffet, Jerusalem Ministry, the meat buffet. <laughs> and I look forward to seeing the camps go from glory to glory. It's so amazing how powerful love is. And God loves these children so much. God loves them so much. Uh, each year, the camp has been going from glory to glory. glory, And not just in structure or influence, but favor and financial provision has been increasing each year. And if you see the next picture, this is our very first camp in the year 2008. And this is the winning team. <laughs> and the team name was Sharks And other team names were like Bear, Wolves, and something else <laughs> I wasn't there, I guess Thankfully I wasn't there, I don't know <laughs> But it, they had, we had one coach One assistant coach And one volunteer And you see how, you know, they're just wearing the I don't know what they're called Just the Pennies, pennies with sharks on it, right? And then five years later, this is our winning team, Barcelona, with our coach uh, Calvin from Itaewon campus and I don't know how many volunteers, all volunteers who are able to just pour one-on-one attention to each child. And, you know, in the past when we were doing the camps on the dirt field, kids would get injured because, you know, there's not much to protect them when they fall, so they would get scrapes all over. They would, you know, they would be easily injured. So it's not just about looking cool or looking legit, but it was also just the quality of the camp was so much different. And um, no offense, but they don't look like orphans here. I can say that because we are work with orphans, but they don't look anything like these kids don't have parents to care for them. But when you look at the other picture, you can go back. Go back. I mean, I'm not saying like there's a specific way orphans look, but what an orphan means is that 
<laughs> what an orphan means is that there, there is not a parental figure to clothe them, to feed them, and to provide the best for them. And a lot of times people around them will see them by the way they appear on the physical and know that they're orphans because they're not as clothed uh, nicely because they're normally in bigger clothes because they're getting hand-me-downs or they don't get haircuts as you know often as other kids so they would have these scrubby hair style or whatnot so people around them society around them will see them and know that they're orphans by the way they look and that they put their label on them and and see and call them as neglected ones so for me as a temporary mother uh, to them during the soccer camp my you can go back yeah Thank you. <laughs> Keep it that way. Uh, my favorite moment at the soccer camp is when they get these uniforms. When they put on these uniforms. You know, they go into the bag. We had a tent, like a tent that we kind of like uh, flipped over so they could, you know, change behind it. And then when they come out, they walk into the field like they're superstars. You know, and they, they're, they, you know, because they're out of their hand-me-down clothes and they're in these jerseys that are like legit-looking jerseys of the soccer players they see on TV. They're the superstars they, they see on TV. They're in those clothes. So they walk like one and they talk like one. You know, they, they get kind of put on a new identity upon them. And my, that, that's my joy when I see them. I, I was crying. I teared up seeing how these kids, because of the way they're cared for, their identity inside is changed. You know, God, that's God's heart for us. He wants to provide the best for us. He wants to clothe them in the best things. And God calls them my royalty. God calls them my children, my beloved. Um, this year, especially, we got sponsored enough money to buy each child a pair of Nike shoes. Uh, they are half cleats and half sneakers, so they could wear wear them outside of the camp, even to their school or whatnot. Um, in the past, the shoes were actually uh, just a prize for the winning team. So only like 10, 12 kids would get the pair of shoes. But this time, we were saying how, man, it would be so cool if we can get each child a pair of shoes. And we kind of said it, said it in passing. Well, I know our Pastor G, uh, who's w- one of the full-time staff, really said it in faith. But for me, I honestly thought, I don't know if that could really happen. That's a lot of money. Because it's, you're talking about two, $3,000 on top of about $5,000 of the soccer camp cost. So you're talking about a lot of money. But God provided more than enough. More than enough that we put on a pair of Nikes on every child. And we had 60 balls, Nike balls that were sponsored that we were going to give each child a ball. But then we figured that, you know, when they all go back to their children's home with a ball, then it'll be a little chaotic. <laughs> like, you know, all these balls were laying around. So we decided to make that a prize as well. But as I was putting on a pair of Nike shoes on one of the kids, he said, wow, I've never experienced anything like this. And I was so blessed to see God's heart being just shown through just this pair of shoes. And I don't know if you know, but Nike is considered the best sports brand in Korea. You know, if you just have that Nike symbol on your clothes, you're the best, right? And um, we didn't mean to do it, but all our stuff ended up being Nike. Nike shoes, Nike balls, and we got them like a Nike sling packs. And, you know, these kids got decked out in Nike. And I just felt like I was saying, you know, I really want the best for these kids. So I actually <laughs> haven't gone into the detailed testimony yet. Uh, but here's the first testimony. 
the weather forecast kept saying the monsoon is coming for Monday through Wednesday. And, but because we always had the soccer camp in the middle of the monsoon season and we never had it rain enough that we had to cancel a camp, we just did the same thing. We had faith in it. It almost felt like it's lack of faith we were, if we were worrying about the, the rain. So we went for it. And then, but on Sunday night, it was starting to look a little serious. And then on, the, on Monday morning when we woke up at 5 a.m., um, you know, it wasn't raining at the time, so we were like, oh, it's okay. But then th- around 6 a.m. where we were supposed to get up and get ready and go pick up the kids, it started pouring like crazy. <laughs> it was pouring so much that when we picked up the kids from their homes and we had to go to Yongsan Base, which is in Samgakji Station, we, our shoes were so soaked. It was like, you know, you were wearing water shoes. Like, that's what it felt like. Like, <laughs> you know, every time you walked, you were stepping on water puddles. There was like a minor flood. So we got there, and I kind of looked up, and I was like, God, what do we do? <laughs> and uh, we put all the kids to, into this one gym that we, you know, weren't supposed to go into. So we were almost kicked out. But we had about like one hour, just one hour before we were kicked out to talk to these kids, give them orientation, and also uh, have them pray. What happened in the morning when I woke up was, first thing I heard was, have the kids pray. Have the kids pray. So I was like, okay, God, I, I got it. And then when I got there, without me speaking to G about it, Pastor G uh, was getting the kids to bow their he- heads and say prayer for the weather. So about, I guess, 10 o'clock, I don't know, like an hour after when we were supposed to leave and we were about to kick out, they said a prayer. God, we want this rain to stop so we can enjoy playing soccer. And then right after they prayed, the rain literally stopped right after. And it didn't rain the whole day. It was so amazing. Mm. And then through this, I felt like God really wanted to involve the kids more in the testimonies this year. Uh, That we, you know, in the Old Testament, God always emphasized how we are to share the testimonies of God with our children. That we're not to neglect them, we're not to, you know, leave it out. That that is actually a sin to leave out sharing the testimony with our children. So I felt like God really wanted to do that during this camp. So for the rest of the testimonies, I'm going to share it in a bullet form bullet form, form, right? <laughs> because so I can get to my sermon today. So second day, it was raining pretty hard, but the kids still enjoyed playing in the rain. Some kids even said, God must be sending rain so we don't get too tired from the sun. And also second day, the rain was so heavy that we decided to, we decided to cancel the rest of the camp after lunch. We've never done this before, but it was so hectic. You can hear the details from us later. But it was so chaotic, uh, maybe a glimpse of what Moses had gone through when he was getting all the Israelites out of uh, Egypt because kids were hungry. We only had small tents where we could uh, keep keep ourselves dry because it was pouring so much. But right after everyone ate their lunch, the rain stopped around 1.15. And we heard later that the rain continued in other places in Seoul until after 3 p.m. The kids were able to do penalty shootout, which the team that gets the penalty shootout gets the soccer balls as a prize. Uh, And they were able to enjoy the rest of the camp according to the schedule and so that they could go back home in just so much joy and having had fun 
That's what we wanted to see. We didn't want kids to go back, just, you know, <laughs> we didn't get to play today. <laughs> but we got to see them go back so happy. You know, we had so much fun. And on the third day, some kids woke up at 4 a.m. to pray for the weather. And the kids I was escorting from the, uh, the, their homes to the camp didn't even bring umbrellas in faith. And I realized that after we were about to get on the bus, like we were, you know, down the hill from their, the children's home and we were about to get on the bus. And I was like, where are your umbrellas? And they're like, we don't need it. <laughs> I was like, why? And he's like, we were praying last night. So I was like, okay, let's go. <laughs> let's go in faith. And another one is one of the kids saw the other team's volunteer giving out their team pictures to the kids. Uh, he just printed out himself and he was giving them out. And he wanted one so badly that he offered to trade his prize of sports bag and soccer ball for a team picture. And you can see how much this means to the kids. Guys, loving on them, soccer balls don't matter much. You know, backpacks, uniform, they're all cool and nice, but these don't really matter as much as the memories and the love that they're bringing back to their homes. So there are lots more testimonies, but I'm going to have to stop sharing so I can preach my message. Uh, with that said, let's turn to today's scripture, Matthew 1, 8. I mean, Matthew 18, 1, 4, 1 through 4. Are you guys there? I'm just going to read it. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. So I learned so much about God's heart as I serve the children with Jerusalem ministry. Have you, have your parents ever said uh, something like, wait till you have your own children, then you'll know what I'm saying right now. Yeah. I've heard that a lot. <laughs> you know, when I would do something wrong, when, when she would, you know, when my mom would talk to me about like this and that, and she'd be like, you don't know because you don't have a child yourself. And back then, you know, being a rebellious kid, I thought it was just a chansori. I thought it was just a nagging, right? But now that when I look back after having been sort of a parent to children, that I could tell that that was the word of wisdom right there. <laughs> because you can only understand the father's heart fully when you've been a father yourself to somebody else. And I don't think I could fully understand what it means when Jesus said to his disciples, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven until I started serving the children. So the title of my message today is, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. It's one of our uh, identities in Christ. (laughs) So what does it mean to be a child of God? I mean, we hear it all the time. You're a child of God. I'm a son of God. You're a child of God. But what does it really mean when God says, unless you become like these children, you will never enter the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven? 
So do you remember how you were as a child? I don't remember because maybe I don't want to remember. <laughs> But I don't remember. To be honest, uh, I didn't have much time of being just, just simply being a child because I grew up in a broken family and I had to always toughen up. And I had to seem strong. I had to seem like I have everything together. But that's not really childlike. That's adult, right? But uh, I think it kind of took away that time of just being simply a child. Um, so in order for us to remember and understand what it means to be a child of God, I want to share with you some things I've learned watching a child, or maybe 46 of them, in the past three days during the camp. And I want us to take off our adult hat today and put on our child hat, okay? To fully understand our identity as a child of God. Who's excited? Who else is excited other than Judy Kim? Yeah. Okay. So understanding that comes with the identity as a child of God. Number one is that God loves to provide and go beyond. Picture number Other picture. Yeah. Yeah, I already shared how we, you know, smothered our kids with Nike goods. And when I first found out about doing that, like getting a, child, getting a pair of shoes for each child, I was so happy. But at the same time, a part of me was asking, is that not spoiling the kids? Right? Uh, and you can ask my staff that I was a little bit hesitant, a little bit against it, because... I thought it was doing too much um, because I had a skewed understanding of God's provision. A lot of times the way you were raised by your earthly father is the way you understand the heavenly father. And for me, uh, it's, it's supposed to be that way, but to be honest, not every parent uh, is perfect. And especially some of them are not even close to the way uh, that God the father is to you. because of their imperfections or because of their own scars and hurts, like the parents of these children at the orphanage. And for me, I grew up fighting for my father's provision amongst my step-siblings. Uh, I had to kind of prove why I deserve things, and I had to kind of prove or fight for whatever I wanted. So my understanding of the father's provision was that I had to earn it, and I had to deserve it. So I found myself trying to do the same with our kids. And I realized that I was wrong when that one kid said, I've never experienced anything like this. As a parent, that's the parent's job and pure joy. You know, there's no good parent who comes up with reasons why he should love the child. From the moment the child is born, that's the sole purpose of a parent. There's no parent that sits there, looks at the baby and says, okay, tell me why I should give you clothes. Right? Tell me why I should feed you. What did you do today other than pooping and crying that deserves my love for you? No parent does that. To feed, to clothe, to give the best he can do for the child is the parent's heart. Luke 11, 11-12 says, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg will give him a scorpion if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will the heavenly father give the holy spirit to those who ask him 
to accept this Bible verse fully, I had to see an example of a good father for me to understand it. Because I grew up thinking that my father wouldn't give me a fish if I asked for a fish. For me, it was when I saw actually my father-in-law, John Michael's dad, uh, the way he provided and raised J.M. and his two sisters, even to this day, just the way he loves on them, just the way he hugs them, just the way he, you know, looks at them with so much love. I learned that, oh, that's what a father's supposed to be. You know, when we went to the States in January, uh, he rented out a cell phone for me and John Michael. And maybe the first or second day, I broke it. <laughs> I had it in my bag, backpack, and I think I was in a hurry, and I, I kind of swung it around so I could get in the car, and it fell out, and a car ran over it. So when I came back home, uh, when I came back to John Michael's house, the phone was in two pieces. <laughs> the battery was out of the phone, and the other phone was on this side, and it, w- it looked like a dog had chewed on it, right? So when I grabbed it, I just sat there like, oh my gosh, John Michael's dad, my father-in-law, had bought, rented this phone for me, and it was a brand new one. And after I used it and I returned it, it he was, his coworkers were supposed to use it. So I just sat there, God, what do I do? And then uh, I brought it to JM's dad, and I said, Dad, I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened, but I dropped the phone and it's shredded right now. It's, it's broken. And he just went, no problem. Are you okay? Like, you know, is, is everything else okay? I'm like, yeah. Okay, that's okay. No problem. And that grace really set me free. <laughs> you know, I thought I would be like chewed up. Like, are you, what are you thinking? What were you thinking? What were you doing? But you know, a father who shows grace doesn't do that. And you know, another person that taught me what father's love is, ironically, my husband. Because when, once you get married, uh, the, you know, I, I mentioned earlier how your earthly father is supposed to be the one to show you what your heavenly father is like. But once you get married, your husband is the one to love you the way your father loves you, the uh, heavenly father loves you. So the way I've just interacted with uh, John Michael and, you know, I would fight through that, I guess, uh, temptation to be like, why did, I, why did I do to deserve this love? Or what did I do to deserve this clothes? Or all this stuff, you know. Uh, just the way that John Michael has shown the father's love really helped me to understand what a father's love is. So I want to challenge you guys, if you ever grew up without a good father figure in your life, and you don't understand what it means when you hear this, um, you know, when you hear that you are a child of God, that you are my child. If you don't get a grip of what that means, I want to challenge you to ask God. God, show me uh, a father figure that's been in my life. Because he, did, he does put a father figure in your life to show you that love. Whether it was your earthly father or a spiritual uh, father, you know, Pastor Christian, New Philly, your leaders, your small group leaders, or just a friend who's been good to you. There's someone that God's put in your life to show you how he loves you. And another point uh, is that as a child of God, we're required to have a childlike faith. Yeah, he's probably one of the boys that were praying since four in the morning. <laughs> But point number one, number two is that identity as a child of God gives us childlike faith. 
So what does that mean? What does it mean to have a childlike faith? Any idea? I'm not talking about being childish here. <laughs> Just don't get me wrong. <laughs> but having childlike faith means that it's a simple faith. It's very simple. Pastor Emily preached last time at Friday Fire about how it's not that complicated. How many of you guys were here for that? Remember that message? It's not that complicated. Jesus is not that complicated, and God is not that complicated. You know, a child does not sit there and analyze 50 reasons and 50 consequences of believing in God God, when he says that he can stop the rain. A child doesn't know enough specific uh, scientific rules and the laws of nature to doubt that God has power to change nature. That doesn't mean that we got to dumb down our intelligence, but it just means that we need to stop thinking too much, reasoning too much, and doubting too much. You know, I think we do that because sometimes we're afraid to believe in God for things because what if we're let down? Because of the doubt, what if he doesn't answer? You know, what if I believe in this wholeheartedly and God doesn't answer? I kind of had to go through this, actually, through the, through the soccer camp. When in the morning, God said, have the kids pray. I have to be honest. I was like, what if I have the kids pray for the rain to stop and you don't stop the rain? <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> I was being, you know, I was being an adult. I was being... Uh, you know, calculating or, you know, thinking about the consequences of the kids being disappointed. And let me tell you, church, that childlike faith isn't having faith in God's 100% accuracy in his answer, prayer answering. We're not saying that I believe that God can do, God will do this 100%. Whatever I ask, I'm going to, he's going to do this 100%. Yeah, part of it, it is true. But more than that, it's having faith in God's unwavering goodness unwavering goodness whether he answers or not having faith that god is a good god and he's gonna let his will be done on the second day we did the same thing with the kids in the morning as we did on the first day we put them all into the soccer field on base and we put them under a tent and uh we had the kids pray we said uh, you know remember you guys prayed last night last yesterday and then the rain stopped and they're like yeah and we said, you know, let's do it again. So let's pray for the rain. So they pray for the rain. And then the, this time the rain didn't stop. And I was like kind of, um, I guess, worrying. I looked up and I was like, God, what are you doing? <laughs> God, what if these kids stop believing in you because, you know, you didn't answer their prayer? And you know what? One of the kids' response was, God must send the rain so we could, you know, we could have a refreshing day. He must have sent the rain so that we won't be too tired and exhausted from the sun. He must have done this so that we would have a better day. That's what one of the kids said. Their, ki- their faith was better than mine. Their faith in God's goodness was pure. It was simple. It was so simple. They didn't go, oh my gosh, God didn't stop the rain. He must not be good. I think adults would do that more. But children, they don't do that. Oh, no, God is good. So I know he made this happen for a reason and a purpose. God has a plan to prosper you and not to harm you, a plan to give you hope in a future. We always know that God works all things for our good. And our having faith, childlike faith, is having faith in that. 
So it says in Matthew 18, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. When we humble ourselves, not thinking about our pride being let down in case God doesn't answer our prayers and believe till the end, God surely blesses us in one way or another. So childlike faith means simple faith, like my kids. Why didn't you bring your umbrella? Because I prayed last night. That's it. Well, what if it rains? Well, then it'll refresh us. <laughs> Second characteristic of childlike faith is that we are fully dependent. We are fully dependent. You know, while interacting with the children at a uh, children's home, my favorite moments are when the little ones hold my hand. You know, they will be walking by themselves, you know, going to an amusement park or a different I guess, destination. And at the moments where they slip or they, you know, fall or where, where, where they're like, oh, I don't know where I'm going, they would just come by me and grab my hand. And I, I've teared up many times. I mean, I know I, I'm, I cry a lot. <laughs> but I teared up many times just how much I love that feeling of a child depending on me. A child depending on me. This surge of like, I'm going to care for this child no matter what happens. It rises up. This is not even my own child. But I know when this kid is depending on me, he believes in me that I'm going to take him to the right place. I want to do that no matter what happens. And that's exactly how God feels when we depend on him. And he knows exactly where to take you. You know, have you ever walked with a kid? Like maybe you're on a field trip with your hagwon or your school. And then the kid just runs off to the opposite direction of where you're supposed to go. Have you ever had that happen? Have you, do you remember also the frustration as well? <laughs> where are you going? You're supposed to go that way. You know? That's how we make God feel when we try to do our own thing. Because God knows the best for us. God knows where we're supposed to go. This child, if he runs off on his own, he's going to get lost. That's why we say no to that, you know? And we do all, all of that, I guess, guiding and directing because it's out of love. Um, when we were on base, we told the kids that we're on American soil. So if you do anything wrong or go against the law, the American soldiers and the police will come and get you and take you away. Right? But we weren't lying. That was true. I mean, it's very strict on American base that if you see a child that's running off, a Korean kid especially, uh, without any like parental guidance, they will take them away and not bring, you know, not release them until they find out what happened. But it worked, except on the second day when, we, when it was pouring, me and my brother, Stephen, and one other uh, escort, that we were escorting six kids from this one home to the base. And we were about to cross a bridge where cars were coming from both sides and it was pouring rain. And this kid all of a sudden lets go and runs off into the street. And we, all three of us started screaming, no! <laughs> like, Taehoon, come back, right? But this kid just like ran off and went to the other side of the street. I mean, thankfully, the cars were all stopped, so he didn't get injured or whatnot, but it just freaked us out. And we let him have it when we got back to his side. We let him have it because we love him. We care for him. We don't want him to get hurt. 
That's why we yelled at him. That's why we wanted to guide him the way we thought it was the best for him. You know, when we become an adult, it's pretty hard to be dependent on a father figure. I'm not talking about the unhealthy mama or papa boy type of dependency. But seeking the wisdom and knowledge of a father and submitting to him with humility. No matter how old you get, do you know that your parents are always, uh, to your parents, you are always their child? When you get old, they get old too. They're always above us with their experiences and wisdom of life. So you see like 80-year-old mom taking care of the 60-year-old son, even though both of them to us look like just grandfather and grand- grandmother. She's still caring for his son. You see that. So how much more then could our Father in Heaven, the Creator of Universe, be wise and all-knowing? Last characteristic of childlike faith is that you are real with Him. (laughs) I had to um, get a permission from my husband to use this picture. It looks silly, but it has a really deep, story behind it so bear with me so this is on the first day and the kid's name is Dongyeon and he was the goalie for the Chelsea team one of the four teams we had Chelsea Barcelona Real Madrid and Manchester United yes (laughs) and Dongyeon was the goalie for that the Chelsea team and they had one practice game on the first day but he let some goals in and they lost It was just a practice game, but the captain of the team turned around and he yelled at him. It's because of you we lost. And then the kid got so discouraged. He got so sad. And he was just sitting on a bench by himself away from his team like this. With this shin guard over his face, as you can see. As you can see. It's it's the shame of shin guard right now. So John Michael went over to him and sat with him. And he spoke life over him. He was encouraging him. You're a good goalie. You can do better. Don't worry about it, you know? And he was telling him funny stories to lighten up his mood. That's why you see his funny face. He was telling him about American burgers or something like that. <laughs> but, um, but the kid didn't seem to get better that day. But the next day when he came back, uh, and the following that on the third day, he was so happy to see J.M., And he ran up to him, gave him a big smile, and gave him high fives and hugs. And J.M. um, said that he did so great for the rest of the trip. Chelsea ended up getting second place, but hey, they got second place. (laughs) But more than anything, Dongyeon was not discouraged or beat down or anything like that. And, you know, Dongyeon as a child, what he did well was that he allowed J.M. to cheer him up. He allowed a father figure to come and be with him in his times of trouble. It only makes sense for him to be down and upset. I mean, I would be upset too if somebody turned around and told me it's all your fault that our team lost, right? But a lot of times when we come to God, especially after we grow up, we think that pretending to have everything together is the right thing to do because we are grown-ups, we think it's not okay to show emotions or weaknesses to, our, to God. But that is not true. 
God said in Matthew 11:28, "Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest." He didn't say, "Come to me, all you have, all you who have everything put together and are strong." He didn't. That's religion. That's foreign gods. That's what other gods say. That your works is what you get, what gets you to heaven. You have to have everything put together. But our God is the opposite. He is grace. He is grace. I don't know if you guys noticed that our preaching pastors and uh, uh, including Pastor Marcus, Pastor Christian, they've all been preaching on grace lately, right? Uh, we didn't come together and you know decide let's make this month a m- month of grace. We didn't do that. But God's been speaking to us and putting on our hearts this uh, message of grace separately, and which means that God really wants to really wants us to get this really wants us to get this thing of grace. When Dongyeon came to JM all discouraged and depressed, JM didn't say, what's wrong with you? You weakling. Suck it up. Laugh. <laughs> he didn't do that. He didn't do that. God knows we are hurt. God knows it's hard for us sometimes. God knows our hearts. He knows our weaknesses. You know, even when we pray, sometimes it's okay if you don't feel all fired up to pray. Maybe there's something in your heart that God wants to take care of before you start praying for other things. It's okay for you to come to Him just the way you are and let it down, let it uh, just lay down everything in front of Him. You know, if you want to learn more about grace, work with children. Come volunteer with Jerusalem Ministry. <laughs> you know, you will notice how these kids. Especially because of their past, these kids' stories, when you hear them, you will not be able to believe, how can somebody do that? How could somebody just leave their children after fighting over the child? Who's going to take, take the kid? Not that I'm going to take it, but you take him, you take him. And then they just leave the child in their apartment and they leave. I mean, this is one of the stories of the child. But after knowing their, the kid's background and where they're coming from and their hurts, how could you not show grace when they're acting in strange ways. Of course they're just scarred up. Of course they can act like adults. They're children. Especially children who are wounded. Like wounded animals. They're not going to act all sweet and nice to you. Right? So one last story I want to tell you is that last year and this year I escorted boys from children's home, like we mentioned. That's at the end of line 6 to Yongsan base. And what that entails is that we have to walk from the home to the bus stop, which goes down the hill, take the bus to subway station, and take the subway about 30 minutes to Samgakji, and then we walk another 10 minutes to the base. It doesn't sound that difficult, but when you're talking about 7 to 10 kids at once, with some of them having diagnosed with ADHD and bipolar, it can become pretty difficult. <laughs> So last year, I found escorting the boys was more challenging than the soccer camp itself. Uh, it, it drained me so much emotionally because I was trying to get them to act perfectly like adults. Um, I had no grace for them. So when they, they would run off or when they would just sit down on, in the subway and do nothing or not respond to me, I would get so stressed out. Um, but this year, thankfully, it was less number of kids, only seven. <laughs> so praise God. But more than anything, and, and me and Stephen, my brother, were talking about how so much easier it was this year. 
Yeah, the kids have improved so much more, but I think more than anything, our hearts have changed. I think our hearts were ready to show grace, and our hearts were ready to show them patience, especially because of where they're coming from. You know, after hearing that, oh, this kid has ADHD and this kid is bipolar, I can't be like, hey, why are you all of a sudden sad when you were happy just a minute ago? Because I understand that's, that's the thing that this kid is going through. I can't be like, why can't you just act better than what, who you are? So, you know, and then more than anything, when I understand the kid's heart, I was overflowing with just love for them. Hey, they just look so precious even when they weren't acting all right. You know? Church, God knows us. You know, He doesn't want us to stay in our weaknesses or flaws, but He knows that we are not perfect. Mm. So I just want to remind you of the main points of today. That with us being children of God, we know that God loves to provide for us and to go beyond. And then identity as a child of God gives us what? Childlike faith that allows us to be simple, to have simple faith and faith that makes us depend on God and faith that allows to be real with God because of his grace. Let's close our eyes. I want us to just ask God one-on-one. If, especially if you feel like this message speaks to you about you being a child of God. If you, your heart had agreed with me when I said, I don't know what it means to be a child of God. I don't know what it means when God says he wants to provide for me. I don't feel like I fully know what that means in my heart. I want you to ask God. God, show me who you are as my father. God, show me who you are as my provider. And God, show me what it means to have your grace. And I want you to say a prayer out loud if you feel like there has been a misunderstanding of who he is. Maybe a lie that God doesn't really care about you. Or maybe a lie that he doesn't really want to provide for you. Or maybe that God is a boring God. Maybe he's a rigid God that just wants you to be perfect. That wants you to do things right. I want you to say a prayer. God, I renounce this lie. If, you, if any of you guys feel that way, I want you to stand to your feet. And I want to lead you guys just to say a prayer. say a prayer with me. God, I renounce the lie that 
not a good father. God, I renounce the lie that you don't want to provide for me. You don't have to say it super loud, but you can say it out loud to yourself because there's power in verbally speaking out the truth. And God, I renounce the lie that you don't care for my desires. And I declare, God, that you are my provider. God, I declare that you love me so much. I declare, God, that you are grace. You are grace. Father, I thank you so much, Lord, that we are just a child in front of you, Lord. That you don't expect us to have everything together perfectly. That even when you're just a, simply being a child in front of you, with our simple faith and simple truth that we are your children, Lord. That you see us with love. That you care for us with so much love. And I thank you, Father, that your plan for us, Lord, is to take care of us, Lord, for the rest of our lives as a father, as a parent, Lord. And I just pray, Father, that you will release, Lord, any lies or any misconception or misunderstanding of who you are, Lord. And allow us to forgive our earthly fathers or people around us that have given us the skewed image of who you are as a father. And I pray, Lord, that you will shower them right now. Shower them with your love. Shower them with your revelation of who you are. Shower them, Lord God, to see an image of who you really are to them, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father, that you call us your children. Yeah. In Jesus' name we pray.